Good afternoon and welcome aboard. Happy Wednesday to you. John McGinnis with you. News 93.1 KFPK live everywhere in the iHeartRadio app. Uh, we're going to jam-packed program today uh, because as we mentioned yesterday, we're going to try to chat with Larry Elder yesterday. He was, uh, uh, did, unfortunately, he was tied up elsewhere, could not get, frankly, on the ground to make a connection. We're going to chat with him momentarily. We've got a whole lot of other th- things to get to, and I want to just explain a few things going on right now as it relates to the recall, where we stand, what's going on, what's important, and how why we're doing things a bit out of the ordinary today by having Mr. Elderon right out of the gate. I want to give him time. Obviously, he's the front runner in terms of polling data. Uh, he's got a very interesting story to tell, uh, reared in south-central Los Angeles, and quite honestly, it would he, he harbored all of the predictors of a failed life, but he managed to uh, to go on to get education, to get to earn a, a Juris Doctorate from University of Michigan, and go on to have a thriving talk radio business, and of course, uh, uh, be admitted to the bar. Very happy to have Larry Elder join the program this afternoon. Uh, Mr. Elder, good afternoon. Welcome aboard, sir. Great to have you. John, thank you so much. Can I just uh, amend one thing you said? Yes, sir. You said I harbored all the predictors of a failed life. I couldn't disagree more. I have a mother and a father, both of whom Valid were married point. 56 years. Uh, my dad came from uh, Athens, Georgia. He did not know his uh, biological father, but he always told my brothers and me, hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. You can't control the outcome, but you're 100% in control of the effort. Uh, and before you moan about what somebody did to you or said to you, make sure that you uh, uh, do the best you can and uh, ask yourself, what could, what could I have done to change the outcome? And finally, my brother, brothers uh, and I were always told by my parents that no matter how hard you work, how good you are, sooner or later, bad things are going to happen, John. And how you yeah. deal with those bad things will tell your mother and me, we raised, a, we raised a man. My parents always told us to, to emphasize education. I always cared about my uh, school. I graduated near the top of my high school. I took the SAT, did well. I went to a fine school, took the LSAT, did well, went to a fine law school. That's what happens in America. If you work hard, stay focused. Valid point. I, I guess the distinction I make is uh, there are many people who would rely upon the fact that they were that they went to high school in, in South Central Los Angeles as a, a predictor of their future being bleak. So uh, congratulations well, okay, and kudos. Let me just say something about that as well. Sure. You see, John, uh, it, it certainly is true that I went to a high school that was inferior to the suburban high schools. But my goodness, the, uh, the degree to which uh, uh, they are inferior now uh, yeah. is night and day. My yeah. high school right now, only 2% of the kids at my high school are math proficient. That's one of the reasons why one of my big agenda items and one of the reasons why Gavin Newsom and the teachers are so mad at me is I support choice. I want the money to follow the child rather than the other way around so that a parent can take a, a kid and take them out of an, a failing government school and put them into a charter school, a religious school, a private school, or even use the money for homeschooling. Uh, great observation, and it, it's the way I think a, a key... Uh potential path out of the the place in which we find ourselves i've got five uh, pillars of failure in the state that represent the state of california in my estimation let me share them okay. with you if i may and get your thoughts crime sure, and violence sure. out of control is rising after years of decline it's uh, that has completely turned around homelessness which i think is uh, there's a tangential connection between crime and violence right. and homelessness uh, right. and as you point out failed education which is just absurd given what we have here in terms of resources a wonderful place to live in so many ways uh, we have crumbling infrastructure, uh, the right. worst state in the nation in which to do business. Uh, those are the five right. things that I think are, are absolutely confronting the state of California, looking us right square in the face. And if we don't do something differently, uh, I think we are destined for an extraordinarily bad future. Would you agree? I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why for the very first time in our state's history, as you well know, people are leaving California. 
uh, California, 170 years old. We've never had a net migration out of California. And when people making between 50 and 100K leave, the number one reason they cite uh, is the high cost of housing. The average price of a home in California just hit $800,000. And depending upon the study that you read, it's either 150% more or 250% more than the national average, largely because these environmental extremists have a stranglehold over my opponent, Gavin Newsom, and had a stranglehold over Sacramento for the last 20 or 30 years. And regarding the schools, only about uh, three, uh, uh, 75% of black black boys, black uh, black uh, black black students, excuse me, 75% of black boys cannot read at state levels of proficiency. Half of all third graders cannot. And 80% of the kids in our government schools are black and brown. I only mention their race, John, because people like Gavin Newsom pride themselves on caring about black and brown students, and they're getting ripped off. They're getting a substandard education. And the number one route to escape poverty, again, is to at least finish high school. Yeah. Yes. Okay, let me ask you about crime and violence, because it's, it's a mm-hmm. pet peeve of mine. It's a passion. We're dealing, by the way, with an incident here in the local area where a, a 61-year-old woman, a delightful soul from every, uh, every measurement, uh, was living a good life in, in a kind of a Tony neighborhood, and a person right. that uh, was released from prison early and was out on no-cash bail, uh, right. broke into her, uh, allegedly, she, he's in custody now, broke into her home, killed her two pet dogs, uh, raped and killed her and set fire to her home. This is a, an absolute illustration of the failure of the criminal justice system in California. It's not the practitioners, it's not the police, it's not the prosecutors, uh, but the system is failing. How, how can that be resolved? If you're successful, uh, how will this be resolved? Well, one thing I won't do, John, is I won't release 20,000 convicted felons early, as has happened under uh, this, this governor. Uh, and many of these uh, convicted felons were violent offenders. And based upon history, they're more likely to, to, uh, to reoffend. I won't be supporting a soft on crime DAs that we have in, in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. And Gavin Newsom's fingerprints are on both of them. I won't be supporting cashless bail. Uh, I won't be talking about defund the police. Uh, just a few uh, days ago, Barbara Boxer, uh, yeah. in her 80s, a uh, former senator, was mugged in Oakland. Her cell phone was taken. And a few days before that, John, the Oakland police chief complained about money being diverted from his police department because of defund the police movement. I also will be pushing this phony narrative that the left has been pushing, that the police are engaging in systemic racism. It's caused the cops to pull back. It's called passive policing. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, when he was a governor, a mayor of Chicago, complained that his police department, because of this systemic racism lie, had, quote, gone fetal, close quote, his term, not mine, meaning the police were no longer uh, making stops and making arrests. Uh, stops are down, arrests are down, and when you decrease the chance of a bad guy being caught, being convicted, and being incarcerated, guess what? Crime goes up. Yeah. And it turns out a disproportionately large number of people victimized by that crime are the very black and brown people, again, that people like Gavin Newsom pride, pride themselves on caring about. What about homelessness? Another gigantic problem. A lot of it, I think, has to do with a failure or breakdown in terms of the concept of the respect for the rule of law, because we have allowed people to get away with conduct that is detrimental to to those around them. But frankly, it's, it's detrimental to them themselves. The people that are participating in this lifestyle are bringing untold adverse consequences upon themselves. So the idea that this is a compassionate way to treat people simply doesn't cut it with me. How do you deal with homelessness? I agree with everything you just now said. Some percentage, John, of the homeless population is truly schizophrenic. Uh, these are people who are danger to themselves or to others. We just had a campaign stop uh, in Venice Beach, uh, area of L.A., that's got a lot of homeless people, uh, and, uh, and, my, and my group was attacked. I heard uh, that. Gavin, Newsom was, Gavin Newsom was attacked by a mentally ill homeless person just a few months ago. Yeah. And had he not had security detail, who, uh, who knows what would have happened. And what they're doing is simply uh, building very expensive housing. I call it the homeless industrial complex. 
uh, housing that's far more expensive than would be built uh, by the private sector and without dealing with the underlying reason why people in the streets in the first place. And many of them are mentally ill uh, or addicted to drugs that need to be treated. And government can't do it, but nonprofits can, uh, uh, religions can, uh, churches can, synagogues can, mosques can. Uh, they need to get the money, not through government, because that always comes with strings attached, but through donations from people like you and me who care. Those, those, those donations will be more plentiful uh, when I become governor, because I want to have a tax cut, giving people more surplus income so they can help things like that. And then after that, they have to have low-cost housing, which is not possible because of the sequel, the California Environmental Quality Act, that let somebody pretty much file a lawsuit to stop almost anything for any reason. That's one of the reasons why we don't have, don't have low-cost housing. And one of the many things I intend to do when I become governor is to declare a statewide emergency on housing so I can unleash hundreds of thousands of units all ready to go, but they're being held up for fear of lawsuits. What about this education crisis? It's on my list of things. We kind of touched on it already. But how do you overcome that when it's absolutely crystal clear, I I think, to most reasonable people in the state that the teachers union is in charge? They're calling the shots. The governor is not. But that is a part of what has put him in office and what he's hoping desperately may keep him in office next week. How do you deal with that? That's a powerful force uh, to come from the money that uh, that represents the money that comes from the California Teachers Association. Well, you're quite right about the power of the Teachers Association. They're the number one funder of my opponent, and they just now put a couple million dollars into his $75 million fund so far uh, to defeat me. Uh, You defeat this by competition. I don't care whether it's education or whether it's flat-screen TVs. The only way you can really get excellent is through competition. On the ballot this year, John, it's going to be uh, a measure for ESAs. That stands for Education Savings Account. So the $15,000 that we spend per student per year, I think only 15 or 16 states spend more, by the way, that money could be used by a parent to put a child in a charter school, a private school, a religious school, or even homeschooling. Uh, and the number one obstacle, again, to this is the teachers' union because they know that these teachers would not then be uh, union members and they won't get those automatic dues. But uh, polls show that black and brown parents are living in the inner city overwhelmingly want school choice. And I just saw an article in the L.A. Daily News, the largest newspaper in the Valley, outside of Los Angeles, two-thirds of black parents do not want to send their kids back yeah. to the district this That's fall right. because they've been able to watch through virtual telev- through virtual learning how bad the education is. They get the worst teachers, the worst principals, and the worst administrators in the inner city. They don't put them in the valley. They don't put them in the west side. They put them in the inner city, and a growing number of black and brown parents are realizing they're getting ripped off. Yeah, a valid point, and I think uh, one of the very few silver linings out of the last year or so has been the fact that parents have had a chance to see up close and personal exactly what's being uh, taught in the manner which is being presented in the public schools via Zoom. Right. Uh, what about right. Uh, the, uh, the, the, worst, the, the status that California holds in spite of the weather, in spite of the, uh, the, the natural resources or the beauty, the abundant beauty of the state? It is the worst state in the union in which to do business. How does Governor Larry Elder change that? Well, uh, and you're right about that. There's a magazine called CEO Magazine. It's yes. been around 17 years. For 17 years, California has been determined to be the worst state in which to do business because of high taxes, high regulations, high cost of living. I'm going to lower taxes. I'm going to roll back some of the regulations. Uh, and I'm going to put sane people running the various boards that are very powerful here in California. We have a Coastal Commission board. Uh, we have a water board. We haven't added to our water infrastructure in about 40 years when the state was half the size. I'm going to have sensible people who have real-world experience as opposed to bureaucrats manning these very powerful boards. We need to cut regulations. We need to cut taxes. And I'm going to do that. We have the highest tax rate in California, 13.3%, and it is one of the reasons why millionaires and billionaires are leaving. And a lot of people don't care when millionaires and billionaires are leaving, but 
The income tax is the number one revenue stream for California, and 1% of all households, 1%, pay almost half of that state income tax. So when these very wealthy people leave, they take their tax base with them, leaving us less money for schools, less money for infrastructure, less money for roads and highways. Would you keep the prisons open and keep the inmates where they belong based upon due process of law? <laughs> Take a guess. Yeah. Look, uh, Gavin Newsom had bragged that he uh, released 20,000 people early. Uh, and according to the Associated Press, 76,000 more people are eligible for early release over the next few months and few years. People need to serve their full time. If that means building more prisons, so be it. Okay, your name was invoked the other night in the debate as having a bad approach, bad plan as it relates to drug enforcement. When you have people who are dealing in, in, in toxic poisons that are drugs uh, and, and really truly contributing to the, the loss of multiple lives over the course of the years, uh, would you want to keep those people uh, currently prosecuted, uh, on track for prosecution, and locked up uh, ultimately when convicted? Well, of course. You, you commit a violent crime, you need, to, you need to do the time. I mean, the whole point behind having the drug legalization is uh, the idea was the black market would go away. Well, the black market hasn't gone away because taxes are so high, regulations are so high. So the black market is thriving as never before. Uh, Again, high taxes, high regulations have all sorts of unintended consequences, and that's one of them. All right. Larry Elder, appreciate your time very much, sir. you got uh, less than a week to go. Uh, All the best to you, sir. Appreciate you very much. ElectElder.com, elect, elect ElectElder.com. Throw something in the tip jar. Help me defeat my opponent. He's already raised $75 million. He's going to outspend me 10 to 1. So go to ElectElder.com. Vote now and get 10 of your friends to vote as well. Be sure and sign the ballot. If you don't trust the mail, you can track it online, or you can go down to a drop-off center and drop it off in person. All right. Larry Elder, thanks for your time, sir. Welcome back. Thanks for staying on board. John McGinnis with you. News 93.1 KFPK live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and your smart speaker. Uh, okay, so we got a little bit of a, a, a programming uh, shuffle here because I did want to give uh, Larry Elder an opportunity to address the audience. He is the only one of the leading uh, candidates that we've not uh, had a chance to speak with except Governor Newsom, um, who has not expressed any desire to participate. Uh, but I think it's important that the, the public know what their choices are. And I think it's, uh, the whole issue of the, the recall and the importance of making good decisions at the ballot box. That's theoretically speaking, because you're probably making those decisions in your living room and dropping that ballot in the mail or perhaps taking it to the polling place. Uh, but the reality is there are some cases that come up over time, historically, some incidents that, uh, that arise that just serve as a graphic illustration of the importance of what we do when we make certain choices. There's a lot of policy ideas that get kicked around. We just spoke about a handful of them with uh, with Mr. Elder. Uh, things that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they come out of the, the, the nowhere and seem to be an idea that uh, that is worthy of uh, implementation. One such thing is doing away with the idea of cash bail. I want to I cover this one more time to make sure people really, truly understand the, the principles of what this means. What does bail mean? Bail is not intended for somebody who is who is absolutely innocent, never committed a crime, hasn't done anything wrong. There's no evidence to suggest they may have committed a crime. But it's also not punitive. It's not intended to punish anybody. It is simply an insurance policy that they will stick around to face their day in court. It's just that simple. If you're stopped for a traffic violation and you sign your name in that little red box on the bottom of that traffic citation, that is effectively a bail. You're signing your name as a promise to appear in court 
without which you would have to be taken before the magistrate, actually booked, taken to jail uh, for not signing. So that's what, that's what cash bail is. And so it's not, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that people who have uh, more assets, uh, a greater standing in the community, and much, much, much more to lose uh, would have to put up a, a bit less in order to, uh, to, make, to, uh, to be a, a subject to release on bail. Uh, people who have no permanent address, people who own nothing. That's, by the way, that's not to impugn them. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with not owning anything. That's a lifestyle that many people choose. It's a lifestyle, frankly, that many very wealthy people have experienced at some point. So it's not a condemnation of that status. It's simply a reflection of, uh, of where people can find themselves in a position where they're, 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 the likelihood that they will stand by and show up in court is not in evidence. So what's the counter to that? These are people, these are cases in which probable cause has been amassed which is above reasonable suspicion. It does not rise to the level of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt to a moral certainty, but it is a pretty substantial standard of law that has to be met. That, uh, for example, if a person is uh, driving a, a stolen car and the ignition is punched and, uh, and they flee the police when they're stopped, it's not, it's, it's the probable cause is there to support the belief that they have stolen that car or in possession of it knowing that it's stolen. Uh, that is a person who would be subject to arrest, obviously. Are they guilty at that point? No, they've got to go through due process of law. But they can be held uh, in custody to ensure that they will face their day in court. That's, that's just an illustration of what probable cause is, kind of a rudimentary one, but that's what it is. So the idea of not holding any kind of a bail, any kind of a hook, any kind of an investment from people in that position who own nothing, perhaps are a general delivery a uh, resident that have no permanent resident or even temporary residence. Uh, that is just absolute foolishness. We're going to talk a little bit more after we take care of some other business about this recent high-profile case in which that was the status of the man who is now in custody uh, for the, the murder of a very lovely woman in Land Park over the weekend. Welcome back. Thanks for staying on board. John McGinnis with you. News 93.1 KFPK live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and your smart speaker. Uh, so talking about this uh, cash bail business, and it, yes, it can be an inconvenience. There's no doubt about it. And uh, again, just to reiterate, the standard to hold somebody in custody is probable cause, not guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. So the potential exists for somebody to be locked up for a period of time uh, during which they could hopefully raise bail if they're if they're suitable or um, or they're going to have to be there for a while in the interest of justice. But it's not a willy-nilly set of circumstances. These are people for whom it ha- a sufficient evidence has been developed and presented. By the way, there's a, a, an attestation to this when a person is arrested. It has, to be, it has to be articulated on a specific document showing the court that, yes, here's the crime that was committed, and the, the, the probable cause is that this person now in custody is the one responsible for the commission of that crime. Again, I'm going to stay with that uh, that stolen car example. you got the guy driving the car. The ignition is punched out. It's reported stolen. He flees the police when they try to stop him. Okay? So uh, looking at data from the district attorney's office and the sheriff's department in Sacramento County, uh, going back to March 18th of, uh, of 2020, uh, through this month, uh, through roughly the first of this month, 
Uh, approximately 5,100 individuals have been released after arrest without dollar bail amounts set. You get me, you with me that way? Uh, 5,100 individuals arrested and then released because of this no cash bail system. Of those arrested and released, over 1,700 individuals have been rearrested after that release. So look at the numbers on that unto itself. 5,100 locked up and kicked out right away because of this 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 new concept. 1,700 uh, rearrested thereafter. So that means 1,700 times more people have been victims of crime. 1,700 times more law enforcement officers have been impacted by having to deal with somebody in the course of effectuating an arrest, which is the most dangerous thing they're going to do in their career. Uh, some have been rearrested and released multiple times. So it's interesting to note that the district attorney's office, the police department, the sheriff's department all get uh, calls on an ongoing uh, basis from business organizations about uh, so-called chronic low-level offenders who commit offenses such as vandalism and are rearrested and released on multiple occasions. These offenders affect the quality of life and often uh, often present significant impediments to to uh, the conducting of business in many different parts of the county and especially, probably most notably, the downtown core. However, there are individuals arrested and released on weapons-related offenses and go on to commit violent, serious felonies after their release. One sp- such person is, uh, is a pr- man by the name of Kayshawn Slayton. He was arrested on May twentieth, 2020, for a violation of Vehicle Code Section 2800.2, which is uh, felony evading, pursuit, and Penal Code Section 3225B, uh, which is possession of a, a high-capacity fully automatic weapon. Uh, that was included with other charges uh, related to the weapon discovered in his vehicle at the time. Uh, effectively, Mr. Slayton was uh, involved in a high-speed pursuit, crashed the car he was driving, and then fled on foot. Located in the car was a fully automatic forty caliber ghost gun with a 30-round magazine. The firearm was seized as evidence upon arrest. At the time, Sacramento County Jail was operating under an emergency bail schedule. Even though charged with a uh, with a host of felonies, including possession of a machine gun, Slayton was not allowed to be held and had to be released during the booking process at zero bail. That was the policy of the state of California. Released on zero bail, Slayton is charged now with committing a murder some seven months later on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, the allegations are that uh, on that date, Slayton uh, instigated a gang-related exchange of words with the victim while inside a local convenience store on a very busy street, major thoroughfare. Slayton followed the victim out of the store and again produced a, a new fully automatic forty caliber handgun with extended magazine. He fired 23 rounds of ammunition in less than two seconds, killing the victim. All of this was captured on video surveillance at 4.30 in the afternoon. So even in February, that's daylight, folks. Uh, anyone who flees the police in a reckless manner, flees on foot, and is found to have fully automatic firearms should be in custody awaiting his trial. It's a public safety issue. Think about it. Isn't that just the basics? Isn't that common sense? On December 29, 2020, uh, Asian Vaughn was arrested during a probation search and found to be a felon in possession of ammunition. On March 21, 2021, after being released without bail, uh, Vaughn was uh, a passenger in a vehicle when he uh, when he observed one of his rivals sitting in the passenger seat of a parked car. Vaughn got out of the passenger side, walked up to his rival, and shot 18 rounds into the vehicle, killing him. Both of the uh, these homicides are pending cases 
and the facts described herein are available in public court documents. So, and then, of course, uh, we have the next one. These are people who, the, the legislature, and to some degree the state Supreme Court, in their infinite wisdom, uh, thought made sense to uh, to release these people, not to hold them in custody, because it can be unfair to people who don't have a lot of resources to be held in custody when people who have a lot of resources can bail out. The next one is a guy named Troy Davis. You heard of him because he is now in custody for this egregious murder in Land Park. Uh, in 2016 and 17, he's uh, arrested and convicted of multiple violent charges in Sacramento and Santa Cruz counties. He's prosecuted, convicted, and sentenced to time in prison. For whatever reason, he's out early. I don't know why yet. I'm calling on CDCR, Department of Corrections uh, and Rehabilitation, to let us know. Why did you let him out early? Why is he not in custody? Why was the will of the people, as represented in California statutory law, not respected? Why was the will of the judge and jury not respected? This person earned his way into custody. But he didn't stay in custody. He got out again, and in June of this year... He was stopped in Elk Grove driving the aforementioned uh, stolen car. Um, He was arrested. He was locked up. And he was released without bail. He was due back in court on June 22nd. Uh, Obviously, he didn't make it. He didn't think it was important. And there was no reason for him to comply with that uh, promise to appear in court. No reason whatsoever. He had no skin in the game at that point. He didn't want to go to court because he was guilty. And he's a two-striker. So he's looking at the potential of actually uh, getting some time. Not enough time, but getting some time. So uh, this is the third such person who is out on zero cash bail that wound up committing a murder. Now, a life is a life. The value of a life, I don't think, is ours to uh, to uh, to assess and evaluate, determine uh, which is more important. Obviously, it's somebody you love and care about, it means more to you. Uh, then the two prior incidents I related to you, it's gang members. They they walk into that uh, that lifestyle. They know it's high risk, and they know their their future's not great. The most recent one, obviously, just to reiterate, is a woman who, by every indication, was nothing but a value to society and her family. And uh, the the fact that uh, that she her life is now lost. I'm referring to 61 year old Mary Kate Tibbetts. Uh, she was murdered in her home in Land Park last weekend. And uh, I have, in the last 24 hours, had occasion to speak to her brothers, and uh, I appreciate them very much. I have a a profound uh, sense of respect and empathy for this family. They're a big family. They're a loving family. Her father is still alive. Uh, He's a good man from every indication. He's tried to live a good life, raised a great family. He should not have to deal with this. And the reason I mention this, and the reason it's so important, is this is not a case of uh, of some young kids who didn't have the good sense to uh, to wear seatbelts and got out and were involved in a traffic collision and, and lost their lives. Those things are going to happen. We do what we do, what we can, to try to minimize this, that kind of an event. But this is an entirely different set of circumstances. This is a person who has graphically illustrated their propensity to involve themselves in violent criminal conduct. They have no respect for the law. They are going to be on that revolving door of the criminal justice system as long as they're allowed to be. We have an obligation as as decent people, and an expectation as uh, as uh, as an intelligent people, to not let this happen. Uh, first and foremost, because of what it does to the victim and her survivors, 
and her survivors uh, cast a big net. It's a big family, and it's a community that loved her. But it goes beyond that. It's, frankly, also a disservice to the person who shows their predisposition to engage themselves in this kind of conduct. It's absolute foolishness to believe that we're doing them any good when we continue to turn them back out onto the street with no rehabilitation, no programs, no nothing to try to get them to uh, to think properly. This is probably a person who was beyond redemption, beyond uh, repair, if you will. Um, but in general, I don't think it's a bad idea to try. So who does this? Who's responsible for this? How did how did we get to this place? It's very important to uh, to analyze that and make a very very critical conclusion in terms of an analytical thought process that helps you understand why we're here. Because this is not going to stop until we do something different. Welcome back. Thanks for staying on board. John McGinnis with you. News 93.1 KFBK live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. So I uh, continue with my observations to share with you here. This, uh, this case uh, of Mary-Kate Tibbetts uh, is one that nobody should forget about. You should remember it because there are a series of uh, experiments, uh, very, very costly, very ill-advised experiments. I want to focus for just a moment on the, uh, the, the no-cash bail concept. This was implemented as a function of law a couple years ago. And the voters said, uh-uh, wait a minute, we don't like this. So a signature petition took place. It went on the ballot last year as Proposition 25, and the voters rejected it outright, said no, because there's so many cases to illustrate the full-headedness of this. So, so, so many cases. So you did the right thing last year on the November ballot. You voted the right way on this. The state of California did. But guess what? The legislature couldn't live with that. So through a number of, uh, of mechanisms, they're continuing this silly game. They have a new Senate bill out now uh, to, to reintroduce it again, to create it as a matter of law once again. So there's all sorts of complex issues confronting our, ourselves as a society. We're worried about uh, the pandemic, and we're worried about uh, p- equity and people being treated fairly and appropriately. Th- those are all things to consider. They're very important. I think when it comes to the pandemic, honestly... Uh, the, the ability for human beings to, to play an active role in minimizing the effects of that, probably somewhat limited. But you can make your own choices. You can be very, very, very protective, uh, use all of the resources available, uh, engage in every possible option, and, and maybe even just uh, staying home. But when it comes to public policy that affects law and justice, you can't do that on an individual basis. You can't do anything differently. Because you have no choice but to live in the world in which the majority create. Meaning that when you have people who are uh, engaged in ongoing incidents of crime and violence, repugnant criminal activity, depraved heart conduct that, that deprives innocent people of their lives, that indiscriminatorily uh, discharge enormous amounts of, uh, amounts of ammunition in a, in a congested commercial area in the course of a gang shooting. Those are things that put innocent lives at risk, and of course, some not-so-innocent lives. But if you simply allow the status quo to remain the same, it is very obvious what we have today. After decades of downturn in violent crime, decades that came after a lot of work, passing such things as three strikes and you're out, holding people accountable based upon the statutory consequences imposed by law, keeping them in custody when they earned that, 
Could we have done some things better? I think we could have, frankly, in terms of programs to try to get some people uh, navigated on a path out of that lifestyle. Nonetheless, it was working. And now we've thrown that asunder, and we're living with the consequences of that. And don't let Mary Kay Tibbetts' life be taken in vain. Don't let that happen. It's incumbent upon all of us to inform ourselves. Don't be distracted by things that really don't matter or cannot be controlled by state government. Don't be distracted by that. Look at what's going on. Please pay attention and do take back uh, this this state. It's that important, without which we're destined to more of this, this kind of behavior. Three people currently sitting in jail in Sacramento County who have been out on the streets on zero cash bail. They were a known entity. People who were arrested for being involved in violent crimes, arrested, presented with probable cause to support that arrest. Uh, an affidavit uh, accordingly filed with at the time of their arrest. Yet they're relay, they were released from custody because some people think it's a it's a good experiment. Well, it's not. And that's why Mary Kay Tibbetts is dead today. May she rest in peace. Uh, programming note, I will not be here tomorrow or Friday. You have uh, Kelly Brothers and Kelly DeMarco, respectively, who have uh, volunteered to step up and help out because I'm not uh, feeling all that great. I will, however, be back here with you on Monday. In the meantime, be well. God bless.